Welcome to Let's Talk About Recovery, a series of talks with Professor Johanna Ivers and recovery coach and founder of Recovery Hour, Sandra Losty. The series of talks has its origins with an International Women's Day collaboration with the professor and the recovery coach, where they talked about the point at which the science and the lived experience meets. Hello, my name is Sandra Losty and I am a recovery coach and founder of Recovery Hour an online space that was set up in the very early days of the pandemic in 2020 to support people in recovery. I am usually accompanied by my co-host, Professor Johanna Ivers. However, I'm flying solo today and we gave each other a little project to do. Johanna will do one next week, a solo run that is. And we gave each other a little project to do uh, while we were unavailable with each other for the next couple of weeks. So, uh, we set each other three questions and I, I have the questions here and I haven't seen them. So I'm going to answer them as they uh, reveal themselves on the page to me and Johanna will do the same. And we just thought this might be a good idea and a way to kind of help you know us a little bit better and uh, and things we know about each other, but not necessarily elaborate on. So. I'm going to open my envelope, which I have here. Oh, my first question from Johanna is, looking back on your 27 years of recovery, what are some of the key learnings? It's a great question. Um, yeah, key learnings. I suppose if I was to sum it up in a few words, I would say uh, community, change, and I think I'm looking for another C, community change and um, challenge, I think. I think challenge would be the third, the third word I'd use there. And what do I mean by that? I suppose community, my recovery was very much 12-step based, saved my life, saved my sanity, and it gave me a community. It gave me a community of people who understood me understood why I did what I did and uh, were accepting and understanding of that, which was a huge help because uh, I didn't even understand why I did what I did. So to have those role models and to have that acceptance and to have that connection with people, there's another C, yeah, another connection. To have that connection with people was was hugely important for me in the very early days. And 27 years down the road, it is still hugely important for me. Uh, isolation is, is not good for my head anyway. I, I often hear a friend of mine referring to isolation as being in enemy territory, you know, and, and I have to say, I, I agree with that. You know, it, it is like being in the battlefield. And uh, I'm very often then I, I'm by my own hand and friendly fire, you know, uh, I can I can create all sorts of of unhappiness and and damage. I'm going to say the word damage, um, and I'll step into places of doubt and fear and and isolate more. So yes, yeah, so community really gave me that that way out of isolation. And I, I have a, just a very small story now, now that I'm thinking of it, and it was a woman who I met I was probably maybe six seven months uh in recovery and 
uh, I really looked up to this woman like, I mean, she, you know, I, I wanted, if I, if I could have breathed in her recovery, I would have. And um, she came over and asked me how I was doing and, you know, said I was doing great. And, you know, all of that really encouraging stuff that you don't see, you know, it's like, oh, I'm not like such a body. And sure, they're around 10 or 12 years. It's not a, it's not a, a comparison that's going to be helpful. But anyway, she came over and, and was, you know, checking in with me and asked me how I was and that sort of stuff. Conversation, you know, and, and genuine interest. But anyway, she said to me, Sandra, give me a buzz tomorrow, will you? And I was like, oh, what? like, what? what do I, you know, what do I do? Um, what do you mean give you a buzz? And sure, I can't help you. And she said to me, well, ring me and ask me how I am. You know, just ring me up and say, hello, how are you? <laughs> and I was like, OK, OK. And, and I did. And I, I had arranged a time with her and I was sitting watching the clock, like you know, to make sure I rang her on the button because I wanted to be reliable and I wanted to be trustworthy. You know, so calling at the time was really important. And when I called, you know, she said, oh, how are you doing? Great to hear from you. Um, Tell me all about the kids coming in from school and whatever had gone on in her day and that sort of stuff. And and we had just a conversation. You know, there was there was no problem solving or anything like that. There was just a conversation, what we did in the day and how we were feeling and that sort of stuff. And uh, when the conversation was coming to a close, she said, God, Sandra, it was great to hear from you. You know, it really was. And, um, you know, have yourself a great day. But thanks a million for picking up the phone and, and checking in and asking me how I am. And I was like, oh, yeah, grand. Yeah, yeah. Put the phone down. And um, delighted with myself. Absolutely delighted with myself. But it was quite a while after that I realised what she actually was doing. She was getting me to build a habit of just picking up the phone and having conversations. How is things? How's the kids? What's rocking in your world? Where did you go today? Who are you chatting with? You know, what did you what did you buy in the shop? Whatever, you know. And it wasn't about having a problem. It wasn't about being in a in a, a bad state of mind and feeling oh, I can't ring them because I'm always ringing only when I have problems, you know. So that habit has really really and truly um, served me so well. I pick up the phone for chats. And then when things are very difficult, I pick up the phone and I go, you're not going to believe what happened today, right? Good or bad. <laughs> so those kind of things really, uh, if, if anyone's listening to this and you think, oh, I can't ring somebody and ask them how they are, sure, what have I got to offer? We're human beings and every single one of us want somebody to say how are you doing and that's just a question where you go god that's lovely that somebody had a bit of interest in me isn't that wonderful so that'd be that'd be one of the things i'd say uh the community when you build a community around you then you, you start and you go about building the relationship and that starts with how are you doing you know or it can start with how are you doing uh really really appreciated that little tip um, and then challenge, I mean, changing, change in and of itself is challenging and kind of be, becoming willing to change, you know, knowing that there were certain things and mindsets and perceptions I had weren't going to serve me in this new way of living, you know, um, expectations I had of other people needed to change 
and how I lived my day needed to change. Routines, building routines in, you know, so that eating, you know, meals at proper times. Um, you know, doing the day to day stuff, you know, doing the laundry, doing housekeeping, that that kind of thing, you know, making sure that I did a bit of a budget with the money that I had and prioritizing that spend. So for me, one of the, the top three things on my list when I got paid was to buy my monthly bus ticket because I needed that bus ticket to get to where I needed to go, which was to to meetings and to work or the course that I was on. So those kind of things, the luxuries or the treats, if you like, they weren't the priority, you know, paying the rent, paying the bills and the bus ticket, you know. And I even I, I'm even thinking now I used to think of the bus ticket not as one of the bills. I've seen it as like a, a separate essential on its own. If I didn't have a house or a, or a, a place to stay or a, a bills to pay, I wanted to have that bus ticket. So I had the freedom to to go and connect with the different meetings I'd go to and the different people that I'd met along the way, um, you know, having that bus ticket because I lived quite uh, quite a bit outside of the city. And um, yeah, so a, a perceptions that was hugely important that that bus ticket was, uh, was a priority. So those kind of things had to change how I viewed money um, and understanding that, that while money in and of itself doesn't bring happiness when I manage money well I'm happier you know I'm really happier um and it 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 helped me to grow up you know um yeah grow up and and take my place in in the world and, and be responsible with that so so there were certain things like that that had to change they were kind of um biggies for me because my instinct was to you know kind of throw the money at something that was completely disposable or you know just it was gone in a flash kind of kind of thing you know so to change my mindset around that was was amazing um and change my routine in in terms of where I would go or how I would socialize or where I would socialize you know that 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 needed to change also I needed to give myself a fighting chance to make sure this change stayed embedded and then the challenge, you know, um, getting onto a course, uh, connecting with new people, eventually getting a job, you know, all of those things brought a, a challenge to me that that it made me, it gave me a zest for life, you know, it gave me a, um, yeah, a zest for life where I could see my own progress, you know, um, and my my kind of natural instinct might be to avoid and very much so in the early days, you know, anything that was different from what I would was used to, I would just avoid it. But um, but being able to take those steps in a in an environment that was very supportive, that challenge then I benefited from that so much. Like I can't even begin to tell you how much I benefited from that. So um, so yeah, something that kind of helps us to see our progress in in that way so stay connected all of that helped me to stay connected with a community that helped me to change and brought a bit of challenge into my life that made life a little bit more interesting you know um showed me like what life was about so i'm very happy about that yeah god that was great answering that question <laughs>
Question two. What makes recovery hour different from 12 step fellowship meetings? Yeah. So recovery hour, as I said, is it's an online space to support people in recovery. That was I set it up in March 2020. We had our first uh, online meeting on the 18th of March 2020. And initially it was just a crisis response. It was the people I was speaking to on Twitter. Um, just bring bring people into a Zoom room, set up a space where we can come and talk and, you know, uh, support each other in that way. And it was great because we have we spoke on the, the social media platform, Twitter, all right, in text and that. But we would not necessarily have known people or seen their face. So it was great to kind of meet people in that way. And um, that was it. It was meant to be for two weeks. If people remember the first two week period about flattening the curve and that was meant to be up on the 29th of March 2020 and we're still there two years later a little over two years later we celebrated two years there a few weeks ago and what makes it different is I suppose the content of the meetings so the, the principle is still the same where people come together to support each other to engage with each other uh, get support, share what's going on. All, all of that, all of that principle is still the same, but the content is more, uh, it's more personal development. So when we're talking about the kind of meetings, the topic meetings, they are recovery topic meetings, absolutely. Uh, but they're more discussion as opposed to just sharing on a topic. So um, the meetings are, are set up in that particular way that we can ask questions and we can engage in, in a dialogue so we can get a, a broader viewpoint. So that's what makes it, it, it kind of different from one perspective. And then the other perspective is lots of people come into Recovery Hour who are part of a 12-step fellowship, and I'm one of those people myself, but we, we are not of a fellowship um, connection. And what I mean by that is, we need people to know when they come into the space that this is not a specific fellowship meeting because there's a particular uh, format to that. And we want people to know that this is a little bit different. So um, it's so it's not aligned formally with any uh, 12-step fellowship. And that would mean singleness of purpose. And in recovery hour, you can be in recovery from um, food, uh, codependency, uh, gambling, alcohol, drugs, um, porn, um, anything that you, I suppose you define what it is you're in recovery from. That's the, the main thing there. And then there's a community there that will come in and support you with that, with that change. We're not saying you have to be abstinent. We're not saying you have to uh, do X, Y, and Z, but we do need you to know when you come in, uh, you may come in, we'll say for alcohol, alcohol might be your, your thing that, that um, made you want to change. And you may hear people talking about gambling and food and, and that kind of thing. So what does, why, why is that that way? I suppose primarily it's that way because in my uh, recovery, I have found in recovery, I've had many, many recoveries to do. And yes, I, I put down the alcohol. Yes, I changed. Yes, I applied a 12-step program. Uh, 
But there were things like when things got difficult in life, when life gets challenging as it does, no matter where you are in life, I, I would have gone to the drink and that was that was not an option anymore. And I realized I went to other things. If I wasn't facing them head on or dealing with them, I was going to other things. One of them was gambling. Another one I, I've now realized in the last few years is food. Uh, another one would have been codependency. There was lots of things I used to uh, con- continue to numb out or not face what was going on in life. I'm not calling it an addictive personality. I personally call it an aversion to responsibility. And my first reaction was to avoid and find something else that would numb me out, you know. So I suppose it, it kind of came from that that very personal experience that when I put down the alcohol, then I had life to deal with. And, and that's, that's why we need to be more inclusive because a lot of other people will have said that as well. When they put down wherever their first primary thing that got them into trouble with, when that was gone or they were leaving that to one side, then they had life to deal with. And, and this, is what, uh, this is what Recovery Hour is about, is how do we help people deal with life? What are the tips and tricks and tools we can offer them? And some acknowledgement that, you know, this may very well happen. You know, you may pick up something else, you know, to fill the void that the alcohol or the drugs left, you know, and acknowledge that that's a possibility. So that's what makes it different from 12-step fellowships. We do a lot of training in there. There's a lot of coaching goes on in in recovery hour. Um, I do a, a particular book club. And we will use um, a book from an author who's in recovery themselves and we'll walk through what their insights are and their learnings and and walk through that as part of the of the group coaching process. Uh, We'll have done lots of different things as well, like looked at um, archetypes and how archetypes impact our lives, uh, how we can work with them and how we can identify uh, what we need to pull on within ourselves. Uh, we, we did a whole series on codependency and understanding that now that we are in recovery, what does that mean for us now in terms of relationships and did a whole course on that. And uh, prayer and meditation has been going uh, probably nearly two years now at this stage where uh, understanding what that that actual process means, you know, what is prayer, what is meditation and how do we connect with that on a daily basis to help us to continue to grow and face life's challenges? So it, it zones in on particular areas uh, in a, a training and a development type kind of way. And that more than likely won't happen in a fellowship. You know, people are sharing their experience, strength and hope. And there wouldn't be that kind of feedback and there wouldn't be a specific learning space created for people to discuss and walk through whatever those particular issues are you know so so that's what would make it uh would make it different from the 12-step fellowships so we we start our starting point is i am in recovery whatever you're in recovery from is that that's a by the by almost but that we're engaging in a conversation that helps us to stay in recovery and um these helpful trainings and personal development pieces are all part of what has helped me and I'm very happy to pass that on as well 
Okay, so question three. Where would you like to see recovery hour in 10 years? So fast forward to 10 years. Yes, yes. Where would I like to see 10 years? Gosh, I didn't even imagine it would last 10 weeks. Don't mind 10 years. I would love to see recovery hour as this learning and development space that people in recovery can come into and ask questions like, I'm going for an interview. What do I say about gaps in my CV? What do I wear? How do I how do I ask that company questions that will help me see if I'm a fit or they're a fit for me? Um, those kind of things, communication skills, huge communication skills. How do people tell their story? You know, if if a, a radio show or a TV show um, contacts somebody and says, will you come on and tell your your story? You know, what what do you do with that? You know, what what parts of that story do you tell? You know, in fellowships, we would it would be as people are talking, they're telling the story and. We, we all get that. We all get that. That's what the person's experience is. But if we're in a public environment like a TV or radio, there's a particular way that you can build that story that does justice to your own experience and can potentially help somebody else in a very, a very um, uh, kind of structured kind of a way, you know, Um. I would know people would be very nervous of doing that. They'd be, oh, God, I wouldn't know what to say. Or even though they're probably doing it a couple of times a week in their fellowship meetings. But when we're in the public arena, there is a there is a way that you can tell that story that, as I say, does justice to you. And it keeps in what you don't want to share publicly, because that that could be quite a big concern for people that something might spill out that they didn't necessarily want to spill out. So helping people do that so that we can talk about recovery openly and safely for ourselves, because there are particular environments where particular topics, you know, some trauma that we've been through is not necessarily a good place to kind of just talk about that in a, in a public way, you know. So there are places we can talk about that safely and people we can work through that uh, safely. And we can also learn how to talk about those traumas without necessarily re-traumatizing ourselves. That'd be another area I'd like to see. So I'd love to see a recovery hour be that learning, training, development place for people in recovery that can be very practical, have a very practical approach uh, to dealing with life now that they're they're in recovery. Um, to, to build in those those skills and, and build that build that array of tools that people can tap into um, in many different situations as they go along. You know, there's, I mean, I'm, I'm 27 years around and I'm delighted that I am, but I'm still learning. I'm still, I'm still looking at new things going, oh, that'd be very helpful. Let's have a look at this and let's explore this and give it a go because uh, the last thing I want to do is get stale in my recovery getting stale or feeling stale is, oh God, that's, yeah, that, that would be more isolation, which is, is not good for my head. So that's really where I'd love to see a recovery hour being that, that, that learning, training, development piece 
that helps people build their life in a very practical, a very practical way and in a very connected way that they start to connect with parts of themselves that may have lay dormant for a number of years. You know, we we see lots of people in recovery and they've tapped into artistic talents and, uh, you know, writings and, and visual arts and uh, capacities to, to do academic stuff. You know, like it's, it's amazing what people find about themselves when they're in recovery. And sometimes just a tiny little bit of training and a little bit of structure can move that on a tiny little bit for them so much so that they they take off, you know. So that's really where I see uh, recovery hour in 10 years, still serving the people that we serve. People will still come in, new people still come in, get a connection to a community that genuinely cares and understands where they've been. Uh, we, ha- we have some particular interest groups, communities of interest in recovery hour, like the women's group and the LBGT Q plus uh, community. So all of those groups will still be served. And if there's any other groups out there of, of a particular interest, I'd love to have a conversation about how we can support people in those communities. So lots to lots to do. I'm going to use Johanna's phrase now that she uses a lot. I know she got it from somewhere else, you know, um, lots done, but lots more to do. Um, we'll keep growing and we'll keep we'll keep being talking about recovery visibly and vocally and making recovery just a normal part of of life. And uh, very happy to do that. Very happy to do that. So thank you, Johanna, for those great questions. I really enjoyed that and uh, looking forward to, to hearing your answers on the questions I set for you. So this is Sandra Losty solo venture done and dusted take care talk to you soon bye you've been listening to let's talk about recovery with professor johanna ivers and recovery coach sandra losty 